I think it always catches me by surprise because you, you just I, I should speak for myself I just assume like oh we believe the same things you're gonna be encouraging me in this and that's not always the case and I think yeah it just goes back to like realizing I was looking in hindsight realizing oh I was looking for affirmation from you but I should have been solely seeking my affirmation in the Lord yeah obviously that's a whole lot easier to say than it is to do but it reveals I think where we find our affirmation You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Welcome to Upside Down, a podcast with unscripted conversations on life and faith. I'm Kayla Craig, and I'll be your host for today's episode where we're diving in on a topic inspired by you, our listeners. We're talking about loneliness. So have you ever felt lonely in your obedience to God? Over and over again, we've gotten feedback on Instagram and Facebook and and through private messages that the upside-down life is a lonely life. And it can definitely absolutely feel that way. But we hope that this episode will bring out feelings of isolation and bring you hope. We'll be sharing our own experiences and diving into what Scripture says, too. But before, before we start, ladies, I have to know... What are you watching on TV? What are you binging on right now? Or what are you what are you into? Well, by the time this airs, the Gilmore Girls Year in the Life will have come oh. out. So definitely I can speak for future Christy and say <laughs> that. I will say recently I've been kind of in a documentary kick. And I I watched <laughs> Justin Timberlake's uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you watch it? I watched You were so half. excited about that. I started it really late. I watched half. My brother's getting married and I was inspired to learn the choreography for the rehearse or for the reception. So we'll see how that goes. And then the other one that I watched was um thirteenth, which I definitely recommend. It was just really powerful and moving and disturbing and heartbreaking. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of you felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've watched that. it twice this week, mm-hmm. and I'll probably really? watch it a third time, yeah. Really? really? How long is it? An hour and a half, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's a, kind little, of typical. a little over. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess I would say, th- this is Lindsay, and I guess I would say 13th, too, because I don't really watch a whole lot of television, but I did see several people talking about 13th and wanted to make sure to watch it so and for people that aren't familiar with 13th yeah. what is it yeah so it's a documentary um and it's about the 13th amendment and how basically the 13th amendment allows for the united states to legally imprison african americans through mass incarceration and it goes through the whole history and if Anybody's heard of the books, The New Jim Crow or Just Mercy? Mm-hmm. Those are two that um, I always recommend to folks, but obviously they're, they're pretty, The New Jim Crow in particular is a pretty lengthy book, uh, and a, both are pretty heavy reads. So it's an easy mm-hmm. way, I don't want to say easy because it's not an easy film to watch, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of time, um, right. you can watch it and get a lot of information. So there's a, a lot packed in there, but it's very mm-hmm. well done. Yeah, and gives a pretty inclusive history. Mm. That's good. I 
I need to probably watch that. I mean, just in general as a human being. <laughs> but I have the I have the new Jim Crow laying around my house for like nine months now, and I haven't read it yet because it's intimidating. It's so big. Mm-hmm. It's like such mm-hmm. a heavy read, and it's so intense. But um, I should read it anyway. But but maybe in the meantime, I could watch Thirteenth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would read like a chapter of the new Jim Crow and then a chapter of Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> alternate back and forth so I could right. could get through um, the new Jim Crow. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is Kayla, and I have been like I know so many of you guys and so many of our listeners, but I have just been enthralled with This Is Us, mm-hmm. and by the time this episode airs. Oh my word, I can't even imagine where the show is going to go. I just, wow. I, I love that they don't shy away from tough stuff mm-hmm. and, and real stuff. And I feel like they portray, I mean, I'm a, a mom of a black son through adoption. And, and that storyline is especially uh, riveting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you recommended that to me and I have started it and I really like it so far. I haven't gotten too far into it though. Mm. That first episode, though, it's like, what? Oh, man, the last 10 minutes, or like five minutes of the first yeah. episode, are like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you all know what, though? I accidentally started on the third episode, and I was like, oh, oh no! I was like, why are they doing it so weird where it's hard to figure everything out? Mm. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Um, and then, but I was like, back. but it's kind of cool and artsy this way. And then, and then I realized that I was watching the third episode. So I haven't <laughs> even seen the first one yet. Oh man, you have to go back and watch it. Yeah, I'm going to for sure. So in episode four, we dove into ra- radical hospitality. And I think we can all agree that life together is pivotal to the life of faith. But Something that I think we can also agree on is that following Jesus can sometimes feel very lonely. Mm-hmm. So why do you guys think that is? Mm-hmm. Have you, I guess I, maybe I should say, have you ever felt lonely in your obedience to what Jesus has led you to? Absolutely. This yeah. is Lori mm-hmm. that I can absolutely attest to feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the road to following Jesus is super narrow, which implies there are not many people on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So absolutely, it's lonely. I think you can get really, at, for me, I, I get really laser focused on what God's called me to do. And before I know it, I am so focused on what I'm doing that I forget to pursue relationships. Not, and not the ones that I'm you know serving. Relationships with people that I, I'm just in church with or in small group with, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you find that like as an introvert, you have kind of so much capacity and since you're serving so much, you really don't have time to cultivate those deeper friendships? Yeah, I feel like that I would happens. Say that. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I know. Or not just time, but like emotional energy or like gumption, I mm-hmm. guess. But then, but then every once in a while it hits you and you're just like, I'm so lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think because if we serve, we are all always hosting a lot and our family is pretty large. We're mm-hmm. not invited over to other people's homes for dinner. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I find that because yep. we are, our family is large, I, I don't host it, that I'm, I'm not going to probably be invited over. So right. in my community, right. then I have to, I have to cultivate that. I have to create yeah. the space for that. And sometimes mm-hmm. that, that gets exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. We, you know, we're church planting. This is Christy. And we moved here. We moved to Asheville five years ago to plant this church. Talked about that a little bit before. 
And one of the loneliest times that I experienced was probably two and a half years in. We, I think Piper was, Piper's my youngest daughter, and she was pretty, she was a baby, so it's her first year. And our church plant was just in a really precarious place, and we did not, it did not look like it was going to make it. But it was the sort of thing that we almost couldn't admit out loud with our core group, and they... Mm. You know, there were like probably seven, seven or eight other people and they all knew it. And in, in retrospect, we found out they were kind of gently talking about it with each other, but we could not talk. We couldn't cross that cross over into that. Mm. And I know that's kind of hard to understand and explain, but in that sense, like really blatant openness would not have been the best thing for the group. We kind of all had to just like for the sake of our hope, almost we had to, just kind of put one foot in front of the other, but there was a lot of loneliness with that. Yeah. So it was sort of those like imposed, like kind of healthy, but imposed barriers that really kind of left me alone with Duff, which was great, but also just with God. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was a really dark time. It was probably the first time I really recognized being angry with God, which was something I couldn't relate to necessarily before. So that's what comes to mind when you, bring that up Hmm. yeah yeah I think I can relate to a little bit of everything that's been said so far but I think for me the most or just when you say loneliness kind of like the pain point maybe that comes to mind is when I've felt either misunderstood or yeah. shunned or uh, like withdrawn from but from other believers like right other Christians have been the ones to question um, mm-hmm. you know what are you doing or why are you doing that or are you sure or you know and not that questioning uh, not that questioning is bad but I think the the heart behind it you know you can tell when someone is really has a heart that cares for you and is trying to be loving to you and when maybe they don't and so I think my times of loneliness would be directly tied back to when it was specifically like brothers and sisters in Christ who Mm. yeah maybe just disappeared or questioned Mm. things or you know kind of just wrote wrote us off because of decisions that we made for our family I think that's a really good point, Lindsay, because I feel like the church is such a gift and it's such a family. You know what I mean? Like there are the body of believers. It can be so healthy and so life-giving. And so when we don't have that, when it's like extra devastating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think surprise, I think it always Mm -hmm. catches me by surprise because you just, I I should speak for myself. I just assume like, oh, we believe the same things. You're going to be encouraging me in this. And that's Mm -hmm. not always the case. And I think, yeah, it just goes back to like realizing I was looking in hindsight, realizing, oh, I was looking for affirmation from you, Mm. but I should have been solely seeking my affirmation in the Lord. Obviously, that's a whole lot easier to say than it is to do, but it reveals, I think, where we find our affirmation, you know, when we realize we are let down by someone or we actually do care what they think about our choices or, you know, those types of things. It's very revealing, Mm -hmm. self-revealing. I think for us, what you were saying, Lindsay, when, when I feel like another brother or sister in Christ has questioned us or 
kind of call us across the carpet for something, I will then isolate mm-hmm. because I think, well, what if they were really right? Like, what if they were the, mm-hmm. the voice of God to me and they were speaking truth into my life and I don't want to hear it? Mm-hmm. So I will withdraw from community to get alone with the Lord and to also kind of like lick my wounds and, and really mm-hmm. process or feel, I might mm-hmm. even feel shame. Like they were right. That's really mm-hmm. what we're doing or what who we've become. And that isolation is where it like gives Satan an open door to really convince mm-hmm. me they really were right. Like he mm-hmm. screwed everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The time in my life probably that I felt most lonely, and I thought I would mention it because the odds are there are probably other parents of special needs kids out there. And I feel like that for us was, especially as we struggled to kind of understand what his needs were and make make peace with that and learn how to adapt our lives around it. Mm -hmm. um, Those couple of years were the most lonely years of my life because we couldn't do the social things that everybody else could do and everything was really, really difficult. So mm-hmm. even a simple meal at someone's house would, would end really, really badly or would start really badly or, mm-hmm. you know, um, so th- these years of, of really not being able to do much and not being able to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. It just, I think that, that when, when any, anytime you're parenting, you know, younger children who have a lot of needs, then it's easy to become isolated. And I think that can mm-hmm. be like universally true, you know, yeah. especially mm-hmm. in our culture. Maybe maybe it's actually not universally true because in other mm. cultures they, they do it more communally. But for us, raising young children is really isolating. And then adding on to that special needs and especially if social situations intensify those needs, then it can mm-hmm. be incredibly isolating. Yeah. And even people like great believers who friends, like dear friends who wanted so badly to to be able to help or to accommodate us or to tell us, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, how it goes. We don't mind. But it's still ex- extremely stressful for us. I mean, it was at the time incredibly yeah. stressful. And so it's just easier not to go there, not to engage in those kinds of community events or you know, whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so hard because I think sometimes I find myself feeling like, Lord, you brought me down this path. Like I'm being obedient to you. I feel like I'm honoring, you know, your word and what you say. And yet it feels so lonely. You know what I mean? Like I'm just here on this this island by myself. And Mm -hmm. so I've, I've actually been doing some reading, just some light reading with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. Total beach read. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he has a really interesting, complicated, so we'll see if we can, you know, make it easy to understand, but a very interesting theory on what discipleship is and how that relates to us as individuals. So bear with me. We're going to hunker down. This is from The Cost of Discipleship. It is by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. All right, so listen to this. Through the call of Jesus, men become individuals, and obviously women as well. That's my 
addition. (laughs) (laughs) Willy-nilly, they are compelled to decide, and that decision can only be made by themselves. It is no choice of their own that makes them individuals. It is the Christ who makes them individuals by calling them. Every man is called separately and must follow alone. But men and women are frightened of solitude, and they try to protect themselves from it by merging themselves in the society of their fellow men and in their material environment. They become suddenly aware of their responsibilities and duties and are loath to part with them. But all this is only a cloak to protect them from having to make a decision. They are unwilling to stand alone before Jesus and to be compelled to decide with their eyes fixed on him alone. Yet neither father nor mother, neither wife nor child, neither nationality nor tradition can protect a man at the moment of his call. It is Christ's will that he should be in this isolation and that he should fix his eyes solely upon him. Mm-hmm. Love that quote. So what is a great book. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, that's a lot. That's kind of interesting. I mean, we don't see that a lot in our um, Christian nonfiction today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that there's kind of this desire to be told or to tell people it's gonna get better or it's mm-hmm. gonna be okay, and I think the reality is that's not necessarily true this side of heaven and so we 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 tend towards thinking like oh well if I you know if I get up early if I do my quiet time if I drink water before I drink coffee if I you know whatever then my day is going to go really well or I'm going to be rewarded with something or but really the reality is like that might not be the case and like we're promised Christ But outside of that, we're not promised a whole lot this side of heaven. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I think, I don't know. I hear, I, I just, I don't know. I think just people reach out to me sometimes and like, they're looking maybe for me to say like, oh, well, that's going to get better. That's going to be okay. And I can't say that, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, it might not like your situation here on earth might be isolating Mm -hmm. and it might be lonely. But number one, as a Christian, you're never alone. But number two, you do have that ultimate hope, you know, mm-hmm. and ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. So what, I'm not the moderator, but this is just a question. What is the balance between accepting that part of being a Christ follower is accepting, really being a human, <laughs> is accepting some degree of loneliness and yet yeah. fighting for community? I know this mm-hmm. episode isn't necessarily about community, but I, f- I feel like that's a that's a valid question right mm-hmm. after that bonhomme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think-, I think it's do we idolize community over like what what is our top priority? Is our top priority Christ's will, or is our mm-hmm. top priority community? Mm-hmm. And so community is good. And like that's not a bad thing, but what is our what is our main main line? You know what I mean? Right. And if we only experience Christ in community and not in that one-on-one solitude with him, we may crave the community because we long to experience Christ because we're not experiencing him on our own. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we get an emotional response from people. We get an immediate response from people. They make us feel good sometimes. 
And so we, <laughs> we're actually going to crave, we're going to crave that. And yeah. sometimes Jesus is silent mm-hmm. and we don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So we're, we're doing all the things like Lindsay said, we're, we're doing the quiet time. And like my, one of my husband's professors used to say, you know, you get up at five 30 and it's your little white fluffy kitty in your lap and you have the hymns playing and you're petting the white kitty and you're meditating <laughs> expecting Jesus to show up, you know, um, like a genie in a bottle. Yeah, he does show up, but sometimes he doesn't say anything. He's just mm. he's just there. And we don't know what to do with that yeah. in America anyway. Well obviously yeah. then you Instagram it. And then yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think about identity and um just kind of thinking back to your question, Shannon, I think about identity and like are we finding our identity in our community and in mm-hmm. you know, who how many people follow us on Instagram or who we're, you know, hanging out with or whatever. And just that, like, we can begin to idolize it and find mm-hmm. our identity there mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to finding our identity in Christ, which is almost impossible to not do if you feel lonely, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Mm-hmm. you realize there are no humans of whom which you can fully trust because they're all going to let you down and they're all going to hurt you, you kind of have to turn to him. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is one, the whole point. Right. <laughs> right. You know? One of my questions that I ask all the time, especially in hard times, is from Barbara Duguid, who wrote a book called Extravagant Grace. And in that book, she says, she says she asks, why would a kind and loving father do this? And that is a question that I come back to over and over again. And, you know, in that, my example of my probably most intense recent period of loneliness, where I felt really isolated from even the most important Christians in my life, but also just my friends in general, as we were walking through that kind of awkward place with our church plant, I, I was asking that question. I was asking it really angrily every morning and every night, you know, I'd wake up and feed this baby and be really like yelling at God. I wrote about this a little bit, but I'd be yelling at God as I'm nursing this sweet, sweet, sweet little baby, which was a gift in itself, you know, but I, I, I would ask that question. Why would it, why would you as a kind and loving father have me go through this period of loneliness? Because really the only explanation is that you have put me here. It wasn't something where I could just like go out and fix it by, being sociable it was like mm-hmm. it was an isolation it was a period of isolation mm-hmm. that I couldn't get out of until he was ready for me to be out of it and it was also a period of really extravagant growth for me and um, mm-hmm. so I think you know that question why would a kind and loving father do this could there be a, could there be a purpose for isolation and I know for me the answer is definitely yes you know like mm-hmm. that he has right. It's so hard. I I did not think I was going to have very much to say about this, actually. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, no, I have been a really lonely person in <laughs> um, a lot of different, you know, scenarios. So, yeah, I think he can be really, really good in our loneliness. And I feel like that is like Dietrich Bonhoeffer's, like, song, you know. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that says when Christ calls a man, he call, like calls him, come, said, comes him bid and die or something like that. There's yeah, so when Christ calls a man, he bids him and come, come and, and die. die. Yeah. yeah. I, Rainbows and unicorns. Woo! Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, it's obviously not a unique experience if we all have something to say about it and people right. ask us to talk about it. Right. So, and I think it, there is that. That's one way that we combat loneliness is saying, like, yeah, I've been there too. Right. You know, right. me too. That's something that Lindsay had mentioned. Like, there's so much power in the me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think what Ron Hoffer was kind of saying, I mean, it's a really complicated idea, but I think he kind of asserts this idea that we have to lose to gain. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to be taken away from something. And then through Christ, we can have redeemed relationships. So, So without Christ, we have relationships, but they're not full. Mm -hmm. They're not to the finish. So only through him can we have true authentic relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's what I've been thinking about is maybe in the in-between that's like the sanctifying process and that's when it feels lonely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know when you are walking in, in the gospel and when you're following Christ and you're being obedient, it's such a thin line. Like there are people Usually what happens is there are people on both sides of you, you know, on both ends of a spectrum who think that you are doing something wrong. And, um, and that is incredibly isolating. And I, I don't want to say this out loud, but I, I hear so many Christians talk about that, that it's like, I'm scared of what this Christian is going to think. I'm scared of what this Christian on the other side is going to think. I'm stuck in this middle, Mm. but, but I'm more committed more than like not offending other people I am most committed to following Christ and that the place that Christ is calling me to is a very very narrow road and I one of my pastors once said like it's so narrow it's as thin as a razor and it'll cut your feet and and so it hurts you know and I think there's actually a lot of encouragement in that and knowing like these scars that I have on my feet from walking this thin 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 road are not unique you know that um yeah that this is it is a tight place and that pain that I feel is not unique either. And there's some comfort for me in that. Mm-hmm. When we first moved, um, this is Lori speaking, but when we first moved home from Dallas, I was really angry with God for like two whole years because mm-hmm. he had taken me out of the life I created for myself. And I was very angry. And so I did what I knew to do, which was perform. You know, I would clean the house, I'd host, and I would do the small groups. And our church wasn't growing. And all the things that I knew how to do and that I felt like I was good at, he allowed to fail miserably until mm-hmm. two years later, I was on the floor in the kitchen and I was like sobbing. And I, and I just told the Lord, I was like, I'm so lonely. I'm so tired. I mean, I, I don't want to do this. I hate it. And I keenly remember like the presence of the Lord in the kitchen. And it was like, are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. Like now I have your attention. Like I've taken everything away and you have nothing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, it was for my good. Like he needed to strip me of all that I hold, held dear to show me that I didn't love him. You know, mm-hmm. I loved everything else. I loved serving him, but I didn't treasure Christ. Mm-hmm. And I loved his, I loved his church. I loved doing things for the church. I liked serving my community, but I didn't treasure Christ. And he had to get to be enough. And I think that's what Bonhoeffer is saying here. Mm. We don't want to get alone because then yeah. we're fully aware that this is our own. This is our decision. And mm. we have to take responsibility to follow him where he asks us to go, mm-hmm. even if it's absolutely by ourselves. And I know what Christy's saying. It's, it's so true. It, the road is so narrow and it is mm. so painful. But um, 
there's abundant life in the hard because it's Christ. He's in that hard place. Mm-hmm. There's a great, I'm sorry to jump in again. I want to hear the rest of you talk to, but there's a great, there's a podcast actually. Jamie Nato, who is another blogger, was on Jamie Ivey's podcast like a year ago, and she's talking about her story. And I would recommend that you go listen to it. She talks, this is pretty transformative for me, but to hear her and her story talk about how the reward when you're following these things isn't, it's not even like community. It's not all the stuff. The reward is Christ. And if you step Mm -hmm. away from anything other than that, then you're kind of missing it. Um, In her case, it was the restoration of her marriage. She, you know, she was kind of going through these things expecting that they're, most people would look at it expecting that the reward would be the restoration of her marriage. But she was saying what she found in that hard place is that the reward was Christ. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to that. Because in my situation, the reward was Christ, not a healthy church plant. Or not like ease of conversation with people about how our church plant was going or any of those things. So it's a great episode. Mm -hmm. Shannon and uh, Lindsay, do you guys have anything to add? Lindsay? <laughs> uh, I'm processing. I guess what comes to mind for me is I just keep thinking about Galatians. I think it's one where Paul says, "If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ." Right. And just this, you know, kind of like we've talked about, just this idea of being afraid of kind of either way you go, someone's going to criticize. Right. Um, There's going to be someone on in any end of the spectrum, regardless of what it is. And I just think it's kind of where your eyes are focused. If you're focused on those things, then, you know, that's, that's where, where your loneliness and isolation will start to creep in. But if you're focused on Christ, then, then that is redeemed and mm-hmm. you're in good company there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about, well, I was talking to my pastor husband because I was like, tell me the things as we were were thinking about this podcast. And I'm like, where, where do we see people who are lonely in scripture? And so we had a good conversation about it. And one of the things that stuck out to me was in John nine, when Jesus heals the blind man. So the man goes back home. And he tells everyone what has happened. He's not blind anymore. Jesus healed him. And his parents don't get it. And they're kind of like, eh, you know, they, they don't want to, like, go there. And then the religious leaders don't get it. And they start to get mad. You know what I mean? He keeps mm-hmm. saying, Jesus did this. And the leaders are like, you know what? You're gone. Like, they throw him out. <laughs> and culturally, that was a very devastating thing to be thrown mm-hmm. out of the synagogue. Like, that is complete isolation. So lonely. But it's also complete obedience. Like, mm-hmm. he was he was living the gospel. Like, he was living Jesus. He was, he was saying, this is what Jesus did for me. So mm-hmm. as we think about that, what, what can we take away from that? What sticks out to you guys? Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking, you know, just initially, when I think about everyone in the Bible who has had a period of isolation, it was God was preparing them for something. Mm-hmm. He, needed, he needed their absolute undivided attention. He needed to sometimes humble them, strip them bare mm-hmm. of who they thought they were apart from him, and then send them and launch them into whatever he had called them to do. Mm-hmm. But there was mm-hmm. always that period of isolation, that really quiet time. And I find that to be true in my own life mm-hmm. when I feel 
like maybe uh, maybe I am a lonely or I'm not hearing from God, I know he's preparing me for something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think like following Jesus is not popular. <laughs> Even among other people who are believers, it's just not popular. And it's going to lead not, you know, this isn't like an always across the board thing, but like we've talked about in previous conversations, like following Jesus is risky. It's countercultural. It looks crazy and weird and people don't understand it. And so it does kind of make you an outcast in, you know, some circles or some certain situations. But I also, what came to mind for me, just in thinking about biblical examples is Hagar and how, Mm. you know, she was sent out. She was incredibly lonely. She thought she was going to die, but yet we know that God saw her, you know? Um, And I think just that brings me a lot of comfort in knowing like God sees us in our loneliness. He Mm -hmm. sees us in our um, isolation. He sees us when we've been kicked out of our social circles or whatever the situation might be like God. God sees that, and like Lori said, He is preparing us for something way greater than we probably mm-hmm. even recognize in that moment. Yeah, I mean, even at the very beginning, you know, when you read the story in Genesis, it says that God says it's mm-hmm. not good for man to be alone, and then has Adam name the animals. So, yeah. you know, however you look at that passage, like it, God recognizes the loneliness and then has Adam endure that loneliness, and He's preparing him for his, mm-hmm. for Eve. And, you know, if you think about first Adam and the second Adam, so Jesus as the second Adam, the passage where Jesus is praying in the garden before he goes, mm. before he's arrested, you know, he's with yeah. his friends and his friends fall asleep. And it's like the m- most isolated, lonely, you can, yeah. I mean, just the physical description of what he goes through, even as he's yeah. praying, he is wrestling, he is battling, he's doing it alone. And God's preparing him. And so I think, you know, and based on even just those two, we can expect the human experience, even in Jesus, to be a, a lonely experience. And I think, Lori, you're so right that the loneliness is always preparing us for something. That's a really good way to put it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think someone kind of alluded to this earlier, but this is Shannon. It seems that in the times that are the darkest you know, for whatever reason, those are the, those are the times that of so much growth of the most growth in our spiritual lives. And so I I don't know, that's been true for me in the loneliest seasons of my life that when it breaks open, it, it broke open, you know, and suddenly it was like, it made so much sense that God had done that because he changed me as a mother. He changed my husband as a father. He changed the way we saw other parents, other human beings, you know, there was just all of a sudden there was all this clarity and, and we realized he couldn't have done that had we not had this intense need and this intense feeling of, of darkness and lack, you know, we would have been Mm -hmm. too satisfied to have that worked out in us. So Mm, the loneliness is so valuable, but sometimes it's not so you get to the other side that you can really understand why. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. So I think we all have felt loneliness in different aspects of our lives. You know, we've kind of alluded to parenting or ministry. Something I've heard a lot of is like my family 
like my my parents or my extended family doesn't doesn't understand me like I'm with when I'm with them it's lonely and so do you guys have any advice for people that are kind of going through that right now that are kind of waiting in that loneliness and I really like what do what do you do in that for me personally I think in the times that I have felt misunderstood by my local community or my local family or my extended family I saw it as an opportunity for more time to devote to my neighborhood it freed me up to do what I felt God had called me to do in my neighborhood. And I mm. wasn't torn with trying to maintain or build or grow other relationships outside of that. I don't know, that sounds terrible, but it was like I said earlier, it was like a laser focus on this is what I called you to do. Stick at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he kind of cut some of the fluff away. And it was painful. But in that cutting away, it is it has produced more fruit in my neighborhood. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, I think having your identity, being confident in your identity in Christ sort of overflows into the rest of all of that. You know, if you're confident in your standing as a, you know, as a daughter of the King, as someone over whom the Lord dances with delight, you know, then it helps in those times of loneliness. Yeah. I think it can help you keep moving. And it, I think it takes the, the sting off a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't like heal it immediately, but I think it helps endure and it helps you have the courage to be able to keep going. even when you feel isolated. Yeah. I think the thing that comes to mind for me is just preaching the gospel to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just <laughs> continuously over and over is helpful because I mean, like what we've continued to say is it it drives you back to the cross, right? Every all all of this isolation and loneliness and um, you know feeling like you're in the desert, like all of that is intended to drive us back to the cross. Um, but that doesn't take the pain away, you know, mm-hmm. um, but just continuously preaching the gospel to myself in those times has what's I think really sustained me. And then maybe just a little bit, not more practical, but less Christiany maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> is to like find things that make you feel alive and to find things mm-hmm. that make you feel Like you're a person outside of that situation. So I can relate to what Shannon said in the term, in terms of having a special needs child and that being really difficult Mm -hmm. and isolating. And it also, depending on your situation, can feel all consuming or all encompassing. And then you take on that, like, I'm just the caregiver, I'm just the whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, When that's not true, that's not truly your identity. That's not all that you are and so for me it's really valuable to be able to go on a hike in the woods and experience nature and just breathe fresh air and use my muscles and realize like no I'm a I'm a I'm a person I'm a human being in and of myself Mm -hmm. I'm not just the mom or just Mm -hmm. the whatever um has been hugely um life-giving for me and I think sustaining too and just just healthy, you know, like keeping yourself healthy and restoring your mind and your body and your soul and all of those things, bringing them together um, 
as you know, as you preach the gospel to yourself, finding those things that really make right. you feel like a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, Lindsay, we, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, Lindsay, that um, I'm really glad that you said that because I didn't, I don't want this to make it sound like, well, if you're just like into Jesus enough, just stick it right. out. Right. You know, yeah. like, yeah, that's not, that's not what we're, <laughs> I think what any of us are saying, but it, I, I think it could sound like that. And so I'm just really glad that, that uh, you brought that up. Yeah. And what I was going to say too, I think when God got me really isolated, he began to remind me of who he had created me to be. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten that I liked to write. Mm-hmm. And in that isolation, I began to write all the time. Yeah. It was like an overflow. I couldn't stop. And it was life-giving to me. And I have felt so thankful mm-hmm. for that opportunity to be reminded that, hello, God created me with this gift. And I'm, I'm to use it. I'm to steward it. And in stewarding it, it gives me life. It gives my community life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So in your season of loneliness, is there anything that a friend or someone in your life could have done to, to come alongside you? Is there anything that you would like to tell people you know, if you see someone, you know, that, that you get the sense of, they might be going through some loneliness, like tangibly, what can we do? I mean, I think the obvious, the obvious answer, right, is invite them for coffee and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and hear their hearts, you know, mm-hmm. um, really, really seek to get to know them. Um, okay. Or not coffee, whatever it is that you want to do together. But, mm-hmm. um, but just, yeah, spending time, hearing their story, hearing, you know, what's going on in their heart. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, anytime we see, like, a, a brother or sister in Christ who is, like, running their race full steam ahead and they are experiencing that a period of loneliness, don't try to rescue them out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, spend time with them, but don't don't rescue them. Allow them space mm-hmm. to lament, grieve, mm-hmm. process it, but don't rescue because rescue feels to that person like you were trying to take them out of the situation that they they may feel confident that God has placed them in. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't feel helpful. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I um, actually had a, had a filling done two days ago by a woman who is a dentist in our church, who is part of that core group. And as I was sitting in the dentist chair with my mouth half numb, we were kind of joking about that period in our church planting story where, they specifically, and then one other couple in particular, they had a conversation about our church plant, that, but they both knew that I couldn't be involved in. And I think even, I mean, they reached out to me for sure. Like they did, they invite me for coffee, like let's make plans, let's spend time together. But they did not push me in what God was doing with me, like they allowed, it was sort of like they knew that I was work. They were, they were dealing with their own stuff and they knew that I was dealing with my own stuff and they, um, cared for me really well without trying to rescue me out of that. I know exactly what you mean, Lori. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that's, I think that's really, really important. I think it's sort of, we have to trust people to God and we have to trust God with people. And then we have to, you know, open our doors and go to them and invite them in and, you know, and do that not knowing exactly how it's all going to play out or what role even we're going to have, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah, think well, it's is important. 
sorry. I think it's important with this discussion to clarify <laughs> that this, you know, we're talking about, like Lori said, people who, when you're when you're confident that you are exactly where the Lord has meant you to be, and that happens to be in a place without without a strong community. But I think all of us would really encourage everyone to to make the initiative to try their best to to find community wherever they are, if that's at all possible. Um, but but what we're kind of talking about here today is more, you know, when you've um, when you've kind of been put into a corner by God and it feels like it's a strategic move on his behalf to mm-hmm. have you in this place. But I just thought it was worth clarifying that we're totally for community and we're not saying don't like give <laughs> up on it, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, just, you know, that you're doomed to a life without community. That's not right. what we're saying at all. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to add about just being in a season of loneliness in a season that's such like Christianese. <laughs> Ugh, I can't believe I just saw that. But it's sorry. All right. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> well, Christy had mentioned something about just little things that are bringing you joy this week. And so as we, we end this episode, I just like to throw this out there. What are little things? What's one little thing that has just brought you joy um, this week? The world can seem so heavy, but it's those little moments that are just kind of like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got an email from a friend this week that I've never met. And she prefaced it with, I know this is going to seem really weird. And I apologize if it feels like stalking or something like that. <laughs> but I, but her, but she said, this is my act of obedience because I think I'm supposed to, to tell you this. And it was so spot on and I needed to hear it. And she huh. had, this, had this feeling three different times. And it was very specific, like, you need to tell Lori this. Mm. And I'm so glad she acted on that weird obedience <laughs> because <laughs> my soul needed to hear it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was super encouraging and mm. I would encourage you listeners to if you feel the nudge in the Holy Spirit to, to tell somebody something or write them a letter mm. don't let the grass grow underneath your feet do that thing mm-hmm. um, there's a reason for it and your person needs to hear it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's so good yeah I've been kind of quiet on this episode because I am really grateful to be in a season of not a lot of loneliness mm-hmm. so I have I'm feel really lucky to to have friends here in my town and anyways we had book club last night and we've been reading daring greatly and so a lot of my friends in town are in the same book club um and so that was really fun we we always end up talking about the book for like 30 minutes and then talking about life for three hours (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) So it was one of those, but it was such a long extended hangout with wine and dinner and it was mm. high and so mm. I, just, All right. I feel filled up and thankful. So maybe that's why I've been extra quiet today. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I think parenting is hard and mm-hmm. the thing that brings me joy is like those moments in between all the chaos when all of my kids are getting along and they're being mm-hmm. sweet to each other or they're just like making good choices, you know? Um, and we had a couple of those today, just seeing them all play for each other and being caring and helpful and um, just makes me think, okay, they're going to turn out all right. <laughs> 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 We're doing something right. You know? yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those glimpses are mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. We, um, tonight actually, before recording, my family and I went to a hymn sing in town with a couple different churches. And, you know, we had like the typical family stuff where it's like the kids are up after be- their bedtime. So, you know, some are fussy, some are distracted, whatever. But my, um, my youngest, Piper, was she wanted to walk around, so I carried her to the back of the sanctuary at the end. And last time they finished with the song "The Church Is One Foundation," which I is love that song. Yeah, they do sort they do like the more modern tune, and they did it last time, which I had forgotten. I got super emotional last time. And this time I ended up standing at the very back of the sanctuary, and this church meets in um, down. It's like West Asheville, so it's. Um, and it's right on the main street. And they always do the hymn sing with the doors open. So the music kind of goes out mm-hmm. into the street. And so I ended up standing with my back to these open doors so I could hear like the traffic sounds. And then like I'm facing this screen and I'm holding my baby. And I could feel like the coolness of the October. It was October. But I could feel the coolness. <laughs> and um, and it was just like it just was a really beautiful moment where I did feel a lot of joy thinking the lyrics of that hymn are just really powerful. And yeah. um, so singing that with my baby on my hip, even though she was fussy, it was real. It, it was it was like this moment of like really kind of deep down joy and thankfulness for mm. where we are and what we're doing and perseverance in the hard places, but also just how thankful I am and how much I love the church in this upside down kingdom and um, Mm. all of those things. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I was kind of going back to the motherhood thing, but I always pick my son up from school and more often than not, he's a kindergartner and he holds the door open on the main school (laughs) door for everyone. And there's this part of me that's like, come on, hurry up. You know what I mean? Like I got three other kids in this minivan. Let's go. But then there's this other part of me, like, so proud. Like, he's so kind and so (laughs) thoughtful. And I always, I just want to, like, cultivate that and celebrate that. And uh, it's just, it's a very sweet thing. And it's just one of those things that just bring me joy. So thank you guys for sharing your your little bits of joy. So that concludes this episode. We will put the show notes at UpsideDownPodcast.com. So go ahead and check those out. We'll put link to um, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer if you feel like some light reading. Mm-hmm. And you can always join in with us with the hashtag Upside Down Tribe on Instagram. And we are at Upside Down Podcast. And you can also find us on Facebook if that's your thing. We're Upside Down Podcast on there. If it's your first time listening, thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to listen to past episodes where we talk about things like fear safety, upside down blessings, hospitality, and more. Thanks for listening.